Jesus is the flesh and blood embodiment of God's infinite love. That is why his very name means Savior, because only his love can save other human beings from the servitude to selfishness and sinfulness that enthralls them. Those who do not learn how to open themselves to receive his love will be condemned to the slow spiritual sclerosis of the soul that will destroy them. That is why meditation is so important, because it enables us to come to know and to love Jesus in such a way that his saving love can enter into us, to save us from the many and manifold scourges of sin and selfishness that threaten to tear our lives apart. That is why lovingly meditating on his life and love for us is so important. If you want the freedom that only love can give you, then learn to read and reread the sacred scriptures to open yourself to receive the loving that continually flows out of Jesus to save us from our sad and sorry selves who are doomed without it. Then, gradually, as the impact of the gospel begins to explode with maximum effect, the believer finds that even the most extravagant words do not sufficiently voice the depth of feeling that they experience welling up from within. In the end, the words of thanks, praise, adoration, and love give way to the silence that says far more than the most potent man-made means of expression. The slow meditative penetration of the text now opens out and envelops the whole person as the believer is ever more deeply absorbed into a silent contemplative gaze upon God. The most wonderful and poignant expressions of the new relationship with God seem to be emptied of their meaning in face of the reality. All one wants to do is to remain silent and still in the simple loving gaze upon God, in, with, and through Christ that has traditionally been called contemplation. It is the fruit of this profound prayer that is, in the eyes of St. Thomas Aquinas, the perfect preparation for sharing the faith with others. He could have said that we should first meditate and then share the fruits of our meditation with others, or pray and share the fruits of our prayer with others. But something even more profound is required. We must persevere for long enough in prayer to experience for ourselves something of the love that we are called to share with others in sublime, mystical contemplation, or we will have little to give. In this contemplation in which the whole person, heart and mind, body and soul, is more united than ever before, a subtle change begins to take place. Initially, it is through meditating on God's love as embodied in the human body of Jesus that had led the believer to contemplation. Now, a change gradually begins to take place. Meditating on God's love as it was embodied in the historical Christ gives way to contemplating his love as it is now, pouring out of the risen Christ, whether the believer realizes this or not. The first was generated with God's grace and human endeavor. The second is a pure gift of God. However, before the gift of contemplation can lead to the full union for which the believer now craves, a purification begins to take place, so that the selfish seeker 
can receive the selfless giver without any let or hindrance. The whole point of Christian meditation is not just to come to know and love the most divine and lovable human being who ever walked on this earth, but to love him as he is now. Nevertheless, at first sight, it may seem that we who have not known him face to face are at a disadvantage. Although that cannot be denied, we are nonetheless advantaged in another unique way that was denied to those who shared in his friendship while he was still alive on earth. In entering into human weakness, Christ was inevitably limited by having a human body that could only be at one place at a time. Getting to know him, therefore, involved coming and going, meeting and departing. Not even his closest friends could be with him all the time. However, after the resurrection, all that changed. Now, Raised outside the limitations of space and time, he could be with everyone at one and the same time. And furthermore, he could be with them all the time, because he could be with them from the inside through love. Now, the resurrection did not mean that he became transformed into some sort of disembodied spirit, quite other than the man who walked the highways and byways of Palestine, as he was at pains to make clear. That is why he showed the marks of his suffering to his disciples, made those who doubted touch him, and shared food with them. If he wasn't exactly the same person as before, it wasn't because he was less of, but more of a man. Because his glorification meant that all his human qualities were brought to perfection. They were refined, distilled, and transformed by the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead into a supernatural love through which he could be available to all at all times. Now this is the love that gradually begins to enter into the believer most effectively through contemplation. Through a single shaft of love, all the human perfections that were originally embodied in Christ's human body whilst he was on earth are transmitted to the believer. Now he can continue his work on earth through as many as are prepared to receive him and with as much of his love and compassion as they allow him to embody within them. In order to use meditation most effectively, it is perhaps best to turn to the Gospels to begin with, most particularly the Gospel of St. John. Turn to his famous discourses, especially his profound spiritual discourse at the Last Supper from chapter 13 to chapter 17. There is enough food for prayer here for a lifetime. Then turn to the other Gospels, the letters of St. John and St. Paul, the Acts of the Apostles, and then to the other New Testament writers. However, the method used in meditation, namely read, reflect, react, and repose, can be used to explore other religious texts as well. Use them to meditate more systematically and more deeply on your favorite spiritual poems and hymns, 
There are many profound and beautiful hymns that we only glance at briefly every now and then when we say or sing them in church. Hymns like Lead Kindly Light or Come Holy Spirit. The hymnal can be a rich source of material for meditation. Some of the modern folk hymns, for instance, are ideal too. The music may be of varying quality, but the words are often both scriptural and profound. Meditate in the same way on some of the liturgical texts, like the great Eucharistic prayer, for instance. We rarely have time to penetrate their profundity when they are being read for us at Mass. One of the advantages of using these prayers in this way is that it helps to remind us that our prayer is continually moulding us into Christ's own prayer. There are many other liturgical prayers and hymns that can be used for personal prayer in this way. The Gloria is a perfect example, and so are many other ancient poems, hymns, and sequences used throughout the liturgical season, helping to cite our personal prayer in the context of each successive liturgical season. Use the Psalms too, especially those that you feel speak to you in a special way and in your own particular needs. These were one of the main sources of spiritual nourishment for the Desert Fathers, as they were for Christ, who had been taught to use them by his mother Mary and St. Joseph. The use of liturgical texts in this way helps to build a bridge between public and personal prayer. Too often they are seen as two entirely different and separable departments of Christian prayer, when they should be seen and experienced as two indispensable ways of entering into the prayer of Christ and into his profound contemplation of the one who dwells in light inaccessible. Music